Whenever you got up this morning and got ready, you may have believed at that point that you were coming to church, but I want to give you a different perspective. You were not just coming to church because the truth is we are the church, and how we do church affects every single one of us. I want to look at Romans chapter 12 briefly, verse 4 and 5 as a starting point for where we're headed today. We will pick up in Micah chapter 3 next Sunday morning, but this morning I want to start in Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. As the body of Christ, believers in Jesus Christ, join together for fellowship and worship and mission, the Bible likens us unto a body. We function in such a way that our function affects each other. We are a body of believers. Years ago, I met a college student it's probably about 15 or 16 years ago now. And when I met him, he was a quadriplegic. And uh, he, I asked him what his story was. How, how did he end up in that situation? And he told me that when he was in high school, he was driving his car to school one morning very early at the time of the year when it doesn't get light before you drive in the morning to, to places of work or, or school. And so he's driving along, and he, he, he lived out kind of out, outside of town, and, and uh, a, a black cow was in the middle of the road, and he was unable to stop quick enough to avoid hitting the cow. When he hit the cow, the cow came into the car and uh, broke his neck. And from that point on, he was paralyzed from the neck down. And he actually had very severe paralysis. He, had, he was in a wheelchair, and he couldn't use any of his functions to, to direct his wheelchair. He had to use his breath. He had a special thing that would, would respond a certain way. He'd blow on a tube and that would direct his wheelchair. And I'll never forget meeting him and just hearing his story and just the emotional impact of seeing that injury um, affect his life. And at that point, he was not a believer in Jesus Christ. And I was able to share Christ with him. And I don't know to this day whether he accepted Christ but I know just seeing what he went through and that injury, it left a mark on me. And so when I read passages that talk about the church being the body of Christ and Christ being the head, and I think about how our function individually affects the rest of the body, then it's not hard for me to take the leap to thinking that in some ways how we live can either become a deficit to the rest of us or can be a blessing to us. I mean, think about it like this. If, if you are not faithful as a follower of Jesus Christ in the local church, you're not faithful to serve, you're not faithful to give, you're not faithful to, to contribute, be a part, to be a real participant in what's happening here, you, you're not really faithful to what God calls you to be in the church, then in many ways you're kind of like a spinal cord injury. Because you bring some level of paralysis into the body of Christ. 
It's important that you recognize that your unfaithfulness, if that's your choice, can never be done in a vacuum. You cannot choose to be unfaithful as a member of the body of Christ such that it does not affect others. When you decide to sever your life from the head, Jesus Christ, then paralysis sets in in a way that it sends ripples of effect into other parts of the body. But when we are all faithful to follow Jesus Christ, when we are faithful to seek Him and, and to honor Him as a part of the body of believers, the church, then it has a great blessed effect on others and on the glory of Christ in the place where He puts us. See, the truth is we don't just come to church. The truth is we are the church. And how we are the church affects Every single one of us. As a Christian, being a part of the church means that you are called to function as the part of a local body of believers. And I just want to encourage you to recognize this morning that church membership is a biblical concept. Now certainly you won't find a passage in Scripture that tells you to attend our three membership classes. You're not going to find that verse. But you will find elements in the New Testament that give concrete evidence to the presence of church membership from the birth of the church and it was intended to be experienced throughout the life of the church. In other words, you cannot have the things that the Scripture says you should have in a local body of believers without an identifiable, tangible group that knows they're a part of it. You can't have leaders that lead people because nobody is following if they're not a part of a group. You can't have people who are being served if there's no identified group that needs to serve and to be served. You can't have church discipline. You can't vote. You can't appoint people. You can't decide to follow Christ in a direction that He leads the group if there's no identifiable, tangible group that calls itself a church. Church membership is a biblical concept. In fact, there are commands in Scripture regarding the church that just simply cannot be lived out if there is not a visible, tangible membership in a body of believers. So it's a biblical concept, and it's one that we certainly advocate in our church by providing three membership courses that help you learn about Southside. In fact, every Sunday you'll see them in your bulletin. You'll see these three classes offered to give you information about how to be a member of Southside. And certainly we would want you to participate in that if you've not done that to find out what it means to be a member at Southside. Now our purpose here at Southside is to glorify God by making disciples in Abilene and the world as we live out the love of Jesus Christ in a community of faith. We believe in being disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, and helping others to follow Jesus Christ along the way. Discipleship. We, we've, we've summarized what it means to be a disciple in the process of being a disciple in four statements. These are statements you should be familiar with. There, love Jesus, know truth, serve others, and reach people for Jesus Christ. Those four statements represent what it means to be a disciple and what it means to become a disciple. You see... We want to, as followers of Jesus Christ, love Jesus with all our hearts. We want to be in love with Him because it's His act of love, His proof of love in the cross that draws us to trust in Him. We want to love Jesus Christ. 
And we want to know more about him. As we fall in love with him, we want to know him. And the more we know him, the more we love him. Because he is marvelous in all his ways. And as we love Jesus and know more about him, we're going to recognize the opportunity exists for us to serve others as we have been served by Christ. And his love for us is going to spill out of our lives into love for others. And it's going to be exhibited through serving others with the same compassion and love that Christ has served us. But we're not going to want to stop there because we don't want people to misunderstand what we do or why we do it, thinking that we are just nice, good people. Because we know the reality is that Jesus Christ saved us from our sin and that He is the reason we can find selflessness and serve others whether they serve us or not. And so we want people to identify our service with our Savior. And so we reach people for Christ. We actually verbalize the reason why we're different. The thing that has changed us is our salvation. And the person who leads us is our Savior. And we want to tell people about Christ. You see, that's what a disciple does. And that's how you become a disciple. And we, we want to be about those things at Southside. That's who we are And that's where we're going. And if you're not a member of our church today, the the majority of what I'm going to say is going to pertain to membership. That does not mean it does not apply to you because the bulk of what I'm going to say is found right here in Scripture. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, what I'm saying to you today encourages you whether you're a member or not. And I'm going to address some of those issues as we work through this. But I want to encourage every one of you who is a member of Southside to be faithful in your life before Christ. To join together in eliminating paralysis and creating healthiness because we are the church and how we are the church affects everyone in this place. Now, if you're a member of Southside and as we start this year, 2012, I want to remind you of the qualifications and commitments of membership in our church. I want to remind us all what it means to be members of one body. Now, in order to be a member of our church, you need to fulfill the following qualifications. Number one, you need to be a person who has decided that you will follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That you've made a public profession of your faith. That you've decided that you understand the Bible says you have sinned against God and God in His holiness will not allow sin to go unpunished. And because of your sin, you are due the wrath of God. But because God in His mercy wanted you to experience something other than His wrath for your sin, He provided an opportunity for you to experience the forgiveness of your sins by placing upon Jesus Christ the wrath that was due you. So that all you have to do is accept Jesus Christ's gift of salvation and you will be forgiven by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. You need to come to this time in your life when you've made the decision because of what you understand about your sin and Jesus Christ's death on the cross that you trust Him as your Lord and Savior. In addition to that, you need to come to a place where you decided to be baptized by immersion. And that decision needs to be after you've believed in Jesus Christ. That's why we call it believer's baptism. And we will follow the biblical mode of baptism by immersion. And so you need to come to a time where you've decided to give a public testimony of your salvation 
through baptism because of obedience to the commands of Christ. He tells us to do that, and so we get baptized. In addition to that, we want you to complete our membership classes because we don't think it's fair for you to join us in this endeavor until you understand who we are. And so those three classes disclose who we are so that you can make a decision to be a part of this local body. And we also want you to, as a process of going through that class, to consent to agreeing to walk with Christ together. And you do that through a membership agreement. You read these things that the scripture says, uh, detail following Christ faithfully. And because you agree with what the scripture says and what that means in the local church, you consent to say, I'm on board and I want to follow the Lord in this place. And I agree to be obedient to what the scripture says about what it means to follow Christ. And, And we together just make that agreement to walk together because we understand in this place we are the church. And how we do church affects us all. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to walk through that agreement with you this morning. And you uh, received in the bulletin a piece of paper, this white piece of paper that has a summary of the membership agreement. In addition to some other things I'd like you to consider as we walk through our time together. And I'll address those as we go. But let's begin at the top of that, just walking through a summary of our membership agreement. Now, I'm going to reference the formal agreement and its wording. You have a summary there at your disposal to follow along with me. And so uh, let's start with the formal beginning of of the agreement is in response to God's love for me. So in response to the fact that God loves me, here we start with love Jesus. I'm going to follow Christ in this manner in this body. And then we walk into the first element of the agreement, which is be active in ongoing discipleship opportunity and worship. This is no truth and love Jesus right here. We want to be active in discipleship. We want to be active in worship. And that means that you as a member of our church need to find a place where you're regularly involved in some area of discipleship and our corporate worship. So whether it's Sunday school or a Bible study or a care group or, or whatever it is, a men's and women's ministry, you're involved in some element of discipleship along with corporate worship. If you put those two ingredients in your life as a member of our church, then you will not be able to remain stagnant in your walk with Christ. It's just, it's just very difficult to do. Here's what I find happens. You either grow in Christ, because you put yourself in a position to grow, and you're with people who are growing, you're in the, the opportunities for discipleship and worship, and you'll either grow or you'll quit. That's pretty much your two options. I'm going to grow in Christ or I'm going to quit coming. Because we don't provide a lot of opportunities for you just to sit around and do nothing. We want you to grow in Christ. And we know that stagnancy is as good as death. And we don't want that. And so you're going to be encouraged at every turn in discipleship and worship to grow in Christ. And and I believe you will if you just get involved in those two elements. You will love Jesus. And you will know truth. And you'll love Him more. And you want to know Him more, and it just will create a great, deepening relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're a member, that's what you've agreed to do. Because you understand we are the church. The next one is be passionate in prayer for my family, this fellowship, the lost, and myself. This is an element of serving others, particularly in prayer. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we understand that God has given us a unique opportunity to cry out to the Lord and to ask Him for things, to ask Him to work and to move and to accomplish. 
And the reason that we ask him, the reason we have this privilege is because it was God's desire and plan that we ask him. It's crazy to think that the God who knows everything asks us to ask him. Why? Because God wants us to relate to him as a loving, giving, compassionate father. And so he wants us to ask what he already knows we need so that he can offer the things that he wants for us and we might understand his love, his presence, and his faithfulness. And we have an amazing opportunity to pray. And I hope that you will be faithful in praying for those around you, for your family, for your neighbors, for your co-workers, for your classmates, that you will be faithful in cultivating a regular prayer life as a follower of Jesus Christ. The next commitment is to be faithful in my stewardship of God's gifts to me through service and through tithing or generous giving here at Southside. As membership, as members, we're supposed to be faithful in stewardship of service. That means that we are supposed to be servants in this place. Now, every single Sunday that you come here, you get to experience some level of someone serving you. Whether it's your Sunday school teachers prepared, whether it's somebody that stopped by and picked up donuts so you could enjoy those things, whether it's the deacons that have gotten here hours early to prepare communion, or the worship team that's gotten here hours early to prepare for you, whoever it is that's getting here to turn on the lights and set up the Sunday school rooms and get everything just right, people are serving you before you ever walk onto this campus. This is a place where service happens and we enjoy it every single Sunday, Wednesday, whenever we meet. I love that about our church. But I want to remind you that none of that stuff happens unless members decide to serve. And as a member of Southside Baptist Church, you have already made the decision to serve. And I hope and I pray you'll be faithful at finding places to give your time and your life away in service. You know, this last year we tried to do something new. We, 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 we created this ministry opportunities fair and we had sign-ups and you could plug into an area of ministry for a year commitment and we had these cards where you checked what you wanted to do and we tried to get everybody we could involved in a ministry area for a year. And let me just tell you, it's been phenomenal, the response to that. We have hundreds of people serving in hundreds of areas of ministry in our church. I don't know, I can't remember the exact numbers. There's somewhere around 200 and some odd people serving in about 400 and so areas of ministry in our church that actually could be identified and measured and followed. It's just phenomenal the number of servants we have in our church right now. And I love that. But if you're a member and you're not serving, then please eliminate that area of paralysis and just start serving the Lord. Just get involved and serve somewhere because we cannot function healthily without every member serving. You see, we are the church and how we are the church affects us all. And then there's the area of stewardship in our possessions, how we give of our belongings in our finances. It's interesting to me that Jesus does address the topic of money more than any other single topic in Scripture, and perhaps that is an indicator that how we use our possessions does reflect <clears throat> our hearts. 
I don't know if you know this or not, but I think it's very interesting. Research demonstrates that the average American Christian gives 2.6% of his income away. That's about $840 a year. That's the average American Christian. And then 95% of American Christians give away less than 10% of their income. And the average American spends $1.26 for every dollar made. I mean, that's, those are problems. And reality is that God cares about the stuff He gives us. And, and God's heart behind this is that the stuff He gives us would not control us, but that we would have control of what He gives us so that we might use it in a way that glorifies Him. That's the heartbeat behind that. And because of that, we want to make sure we encourage our membership and be a church that really reflects godly stewardship in regard to what we possess. And in this area from our research, I just want to tell you that the majority of our church membership is doing really great in this area. And I'm excited to share this with you. Just to give you a kind of a place of comparison, in 2007, Barna did his research on giving in the church. And he came up with the fact that 24% of evangelicals, that would be who we are, 24% of evangelicals actually tithe. That's all, 24%. If you look at all born-again Christians, that expands it to anybody who says, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I pray to accept Jesus Christ in my, into my heart, forgive me of my sins, born-again Christian. If you look at everybody that falls into that category, only 9% of that group actually tithes, gives 10% or more of their income. Okay, so you get the, you get the picture? All right, our church, if you look at the numbers for our membership, of our membership gives consistently at a level that would be considered a tithe. 68%. Now that is phenomenal. I mean, I I got excited about that when we ran the numbers and I thought, man, that is amazing. Because I called my friends and I asked them, I said, what is your church doing? It's like the best one I found was 45%. And I'm telling you, if you look across the nation and you looked at the percentage of givers in the church, You'll be hard-pressed to find any church in the entire nation that has 68% of its members who give a tithe or more. I mean, that is phenomenal. And it's no wonder that last year we were able to do all that God called us to do in ministry and that we had all the money come in that we needed to do, uh, the stuff He called us to do, and even more. I mean, we spent over $100,000 on our facilities, and much of that was not even in the budget. And we still came out in a position where we are okay. We are more than okay. We are blessed, and it's amazing. We, get, we gave over $117,000 last year towards missions and missions efforts. That's over 16% of our total receipts. That is phenomenal. And this next year, we've decided that we're going to give, we're going to receive, we're hopefully going to receive $760,000 towards the general budget in order to accomplish our general ministry opportunities. Now, I think that's a little increase from last year, but it is certainly something that we can accomplish as a church. We can do that if we will all be faithful. Now, we have other opportunities that we want to address, other projects that we want to do that are not in the budget, that are over and above the $760,000 that we believe is going to come in through your continued generosity. 
We, we really want to build that front where is a main focus entry into our church campus. You know, when you drive into the parking lots here, you don't know if it's door number one, two, or three. I mean, it's like anybody's guess. And we would love to create a focal entry point so people know where to come. We could greet them and take them to the place they need to go. We think that's an important thing to provide for the people who are coming who are new here. Well, that's over and above. we got things in the youth area, things in the college, things in the children's that need to be done facility-wise. If you go to the restroom over in this building, you know, you can hang out in there and feel pretty good about that. You go in the restroom over in the education building, you think, I'm never going in here again. And you make a special trip back into this building because it is terrible over there. I mean, there are some gas stations that have better bathrooms than what we got over in the education building. I mean, go check it out. You'll see for yourself. We need to finish some of that renovation over there. That's over and above. I mean, we've got lots of stuff we need to do. And let me just tell you this. We want to keep increasing our giving to missions and ministry. We want to keep doing all the things we're doing and keep growing as we have been. But the greatest threat to all of that stuff I just mentioned is not whether or not you'll give. It's evident that you're giving generous church. And I'm so grateful for that. But the greatest threat against that, oddly enough, is our heating and air conditioning in this building. You see, if, if you haven't noticed, we've had some issues with the heat and stuff. It's because we've got this boiler. Some of you don't even know what a boiler is. You think that's something you put eggs in at Easter time. You know, well, that's not right. We've got this big antiquated system back there. And I promise you, if we, I took you back there, you'd think Freddy's going to pop out. It is one scary place. It is messed up back there. And uh, it is all antiquated, the AC and the heat. And when that thing goes to replace what we have, I mean, we're going to go to like FM 600 junkyard and try to do that. They don't make that kind of stuff anymore. And so our best plan going forward is to get updated stuff, current things. It'll reduce our electricity over the long haul. It'll just be better for everything. But to do that, to upgrade all this worship center with heating and cooling that's modern day stuff, not like from the 40s or something, then, then, no offense to some of you folks who lived in the 40s, <laughs> saw that glare. Um, it'll cost us $150,000, that's right, you heard it right, about $150,000 to fit this place out with modern day stuff. Now, I will tell you that right now we have somewhere around $100,000 in our checking account, just, just as we have for ministry expenses, and then we have uh, over $75,000 in our emergency fund. So if we had to fix it today, we could, but we'd had nothing in the bank after we did it. Um, so, so we're not in a position of crisis, but we just need to be generous. We just need to be faithful. And if we'll be faithful to what God calls us to give in this place, we're going to have more than what we need for what God intends. He's going to take care of us. But it requires our faithfulness. And I don't mean to end this on a down note, but 68% le- means that there's another percentage we got to at least pay attention to. We got somewhere around 30% of our membership who gives less than $1,000 in a calendar year. See, we, we can grow. We can grow. I don't want anybody to walk away with a guilt trip. That's not the point. The point is just to let your heart be bearable for the Lord and say, Lord, would you just work in me so that I can be faithful and eliminate every area of paralysis at Southside Baptist Church. So we have an opportunity because we are the church.
The next section says that we need to be consistent sharing our faith with those who do not know Christ. I love that we want to reach people for Christ. And I'm just going to tell you that in 2011, and I didn't take note and mark off how many times this happened, but in 2011, I'm convinced that I heard from more people about them sharing their faith with others in, in the given year than I've ever heard in all the years I've been here previous. In the 12 years I've been here, 2011, I heard about people sharing Christ with others more than I've heard it before. And I cannot tell you how much that gives me joy and excitement. Because in the same way that churches oftentimes are anemic in giving, they're anemic in evangelism. And many people have never, ever shared their faith even one time. And I just want to encourage you as a member of Southside that you will make an effort to share your faith more than once this year in 2012. Just share Christ with someone. Just engage and talk to them about the one who's changed you. Be a person who is serious about sharing the gospel and just try. Practice it. Work on it. Look for opportunities and share Christ with others. It is essential that you share Christ with others because we are the church and how we are the church affects eternity. We need to share the gospel. The next section is being persistent in living our lives in a way that others see God dwelling in us. In other words, we want to make sure as members of Southside that we do not compartmentalize our lives and live a certain way at church that looks a certain way, looks godly, and then get out in other places like school or work or neighborhood or community services or whatever and look different. And for somebody in the community to hear, oh, you go to church? Wow, I never would have guessed that. I mean, that's the last thing we want to hear about people who are members of this body of believers. There is nothing more damaging to the reputation of Christ than people who claim to be Christians and live a certain way in the church building that doesn't reflect the way they live at their house or their workplace or their school. That is terrible, and that does not reflect faithfulness to Jesus Christ. It's paralysis. And it affects every one of us. But, but as members of Southside, what we want to be is authentic. And we have adopted the perspective that there is no such thing as a private life. Because we understand that God exposes all things into the light. And because we live every moment of our lives before the King of Kings, we will be genuine, consistent, and sincere. Living out Christ's righteousness. The last element of the agreement is to be serious about supporting the leadership, the fellowship, the purpose, and the beliefs of Southside Baptist Church. I want to encourage you to continue supporting your leaders. I I, I just want to thank you for how you support the elders, the pastors, the ministers, the servants, the workers here, the teachers. Thank you for your support. I want to encourage you to continue to do that because your leadership loves to serve you. And it's a lot more fun to serve you when you are willing to be served through supporting and loving and encouraging us. And, and, and when I say support leadership and the fellowship and the purposes of Southside, that means your total engagement, your opinions, your heart, your walk with Christ is brought into the mix and you are a part of where we're going and why we're going there. So please be active in that kind of support. 
in the last line of the agreement, the formal agreement, this isn't in your handout, but in the last line of the formal agreement, it says, I ask Southside to help me be accountable to God in living out my covenants with the Lord. And that's what we want to do this morning. That's what I'm, why I'm doing this, because I want to encourage you to be accountable to God for walking before Christ in a glorifying way. And I hope that you'll take this piece of paper and that you'll, you'll look at that and you'll use this as an opportunity to respond to your accountability before God. We would love to walk with you and help you as, as you, maybe you read through this and, and mark things that are pertinent to your life and the response this morning to this opportunity. If you just look at this with me for a moment, the first section is primarily for members. If you're a member of Southside Baptist Church, then you read through this and you see, I would like the elders to pray for me as I seek to change an area of unfaithfulness in my membership agreement. If there's an area where you've not been faithful and you just want us to pray for you, just check that off. Put your name on there and we will pray for you. You don't have to put the area of unfaithfulness unless you want to. And if you do, we'll encourage you, we'll pray for you, we'll, we'll, we'll help you respond to the Lord's work in your life. If that's you, and there's an area that you need prayer for, just check that off, put your name on that, and before you leave, just put that in one of these baskets up front, or in the offering boxes at the exit, and, and we're just going to pray for you. And in addition to that, you may want to check off that you want to be involved in missions this year. Maybe that's something you've never done, it's something you'd like to do, just check that off, we'll help you. If you want to make this commitment in August to serve for a year, then we want you to prayerfully prepare for that. And if you're going to do that and that's something that's on your heart, just check that off. If you're interested in being in a care group, they meet on Sunday nights, every other Sunday night of the month. They meet in a, in a person's home and they have great encouragement together and study and, and focus on reaching people for Christ. If you want to be involved, check that off. We'll get you plugged into a care group. If you want to lead a care group, if you want to lead a Sunday school class, a Bible study, if you want to find a place to serve right now because you just you don't know where, or if you just want to talk to an elder, just check off what applies to you and then put your name and contact information and we'll be faithful to follow up with you in those matters. If you're not a member of Southside Church, and there's a lot of you that have not yet joined, that have been, been coming here for a long time, you've gone through the classes, you've just not made it formal yet, and, and I want to encourage you to keep functioning here and to under, understand that our heartbeat is that you function healthily more than anything else, but we do want you to join and become a part of our body through membership. And, and so if that's you and you want to join in 2012, just check that off. We'll help you. If you want to find more, out more about being a member, check that off. If you've never decided to follow Christ and you want to do that, check that off. You want to be baptized, we'll baptize you. We'll take you through our baptism class, teach you everything the Bible teaches about baptism, and we'll baptize you. Check that off. You want to be involved in missions or find a place to serve? We, we don't require you to become members to get involved in some things. So if you want to be involved in something here, you just check that off. We'll find a place for you to plug in at whatever level uh, God is calling you to, to plug in. If you're interested in being in a care group or if you'd like an elder to contact you, please, members, non-members, if you're just attending today, you want to find out more, check off these things, put your name on there, contact information, and we will follow up and help you. Our heartbeat today is that we all make every effort to eliminate all parts of paralysis that may exist in our body because we're not as connected to the head as we should be. Because we are the church. And how we are the church affects everyone. We don't want paralysis. We want people to be right with the Lord. 
And so when we gather in this place on Sunday mornings, every single week, you know the point of our gathering? The point of our gathering is not to come together to celebrate our perfection as members. Because there's not a perfect member in here. Not a one of us. The point of our gatherings is to come together to experience the grace, the forgiveness, and the mercy of the one who's called us to be his body. There's not a single one of us in here that does not need every single Sunday to experience God's grace in renewal and forgiveness and repentance. Nobody comes here with everything to offer, and yet everyone comes here with everything to need. And it's because Jesus Christ has offered his grace that we come every Sunday in order to begin again a new week of struggling to walk in righteousness. You see, we are the church. And we are the church because Jesus Christ gave his life and shed his blood that we might be rescued. And every Sunday we gather together as the rescued people of Christ. It's Jesus Christ that binds us together. And because of that, We want to end our service today focusing on what he did to make us the church.